Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Please consider supporting Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hey, this is Nicole calling from Hamilton, and I needed to let everyone know that I really proudly support Beach and Creative Control. I have for many years, I will for many more, as long as he keeps delivering these amazing interview podcasts. When you hear one of Beach's interviews, you think he's known this guest for years, they're good friends, uh, but the truth is he approaches every interview, whether it's sort of up-and-coming indie artists or established icons or like famous intimidating comedians with uh, a really deep, genuine curiosity, so he's never met this person, and the same really warm uh, candor, as so he's known them forever. I think it really lends to a great chat, no matter who he's talking to, and for that reason, I think you should throw Vish, like what, a dollar a month? He's got jokes. The jokes make it worth it. Support Creative Control on Patreon. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. I'm Visha's wife, and remember, when you name a dog Janet or Timothy, you are dragging humanity down just a little bit. Nothing, that's what it amounts to, they say. A black void waiting on the road for us one day. Tim Heidecker is a prolific and gifted musician, comedian, writer, actor, director, and podcast host currently based in the state of California. Well-known for collaborative comedy projects like the duo Tim and Eric, the web series On Cinema, At the Cinema, and his Office Hours podcast, Heidecker has also worked with great musicians for albums that house his sincere and accomplished rock songwriting. His latest record is a wonderful one called Fear of Death, which found him working closely with Wise Blood's Natalie Maring, her colleague Drew Erickson, and an amazing band, that transformed Tim's sketches into cool, fully realized orchestral songs. Fear of Death is out via Space Bomb Records on September 25th, 2020, and Tim returned to this show for a chat about its creation, sound, and lyrical themes, how all of the other versions of Tim Heidecker he has created over the years relate to the musician Tim Heidecker, his own favorite songwriters, future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control and Massey Hall's concert film series live at masseyhall.com 
where you can stream dozens of 30-minute films for free, including performances by past podcast guests like Sloan, plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. This is the 566th episode of Creative Control, featuring the ingenious Tim Heidecker with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Nothing, that's what it amounts to, they say. A black boy went down the road for us one day. But it's all right, don't listen to me. I can be wrong, let's wait and see. But if you see me in heaven, just let me be. If you see me in heaven, just let me be. Hi, Tim. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Nice. Uh, where in the world are you? As always, Glendale, California. Although I believe the last time I spoke with you, I might have been somewhere else on tour. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's been uh, been at, sitting at home for the most of the uh, since uh, you know since March. Yeah, how's that going for you? I detect some, and I'm not sure exactly when your uh, wonderful new record, uh, "Fear of Death," was. Uh, was made in relation to that, uh, to the pandemic, I mean. Maybe we'll get into that. But uh, in general, first of all, yeah, how are things going for you uh, pandemic-wise in Glendale, California? Uh, okay. You know, we're, we are lucky. We haven't had any, you know, medical issues in our home. And, uh, um, you know, we've been playing it pretty safe, but not, I don't think, uh, I don't tend to, I, I've, I'm not like overly paranoid about it or anything, but um, I'm able to keep busy. Uh, you know, I have my studio and office hours and uh, writing and meeting some people for lunch and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, starting to get a little productive or busy, but, uh, you know, it's certainly not normal and not the best uh, situation. Yeah, you do seem prolific, though. Uh, what you, Office hours in particular, I mean, that must feel good that you have this outlet. And also, I mean, obviously, social media, like I feel like you're Tim, I feel like you're very present during the pandemic, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I have projects that some, uh, you know, the record and Moonbase are both things that we made last year. And as you know, sometimes the process the uh, process of getting things out the right way takes quite a quite a while. Mm. So it, it's sort of timed out nicely that there's these this you know to use an overused and ugly word content <laughs> uh, uh, that is um, just in the can. So we we uh, are glad that's coming out, but. Uh, so it's not it hasn't been the most creative in terms of actually physically making a lot of things although office hours does I think generate a lot of funny stuff and mm-hmm. it's a very affordable way of doing uh you know comedy and uh you know talking to people and stuff. So it's been a real blessing to have that kind of but right before I went on tour I kind of looked at office hours which I've been doing for like 3 years kind of off and on. And I had an old friend of mine, Matt, who I had never really done anything creative or professional with. We've just always been really close. And but I knew he liked the show, and I knew he loved podcasts and radio. And you know, we grew up kind of listening to Howard Stern together. And I was just like, "Do you want to come in and just help me with this and produce it and figure out? Because it feels like it's good, but there's just nobody kind of running it." Mm. And he just kind of just dived in deep and said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll let me let me get in there and figure out what what to do." And and that timed nicely with me coming off the road and and having this project to look forward to. Like, how are we going to actually do this the right way? <laughs> um, I don't know if it's gotten better or worse, but it's gotten more like less stressful and more more just pure fun. Um, so yeah, anyways, I mean, for for what that, it's worth, I, I think it is. If I may, it's, it does seem better, or like like you've, you've yeah. elevated it, uh, and also uh, Vic Berger is involved as well. Uh, mm-hmm. So you've got and yeah, Doug and, uh, yeah. So you've got your crew there, and uh, so that's good. You've got that outlet. Uh, you mentioned the production timelines. So I, I alluded to this earlier. Fear of death was made uh, well before the pandemic, and we were all feeling stir crazy and wanting to run away. Is that fair? Is that fair to say? 
Yeah, it was made last year, sort of a, the spring and summer of last year. So it was not. I mean, things have not been going well for a while. You know, I'd say for the past four years, and and for other people longer than that.、Mm. But、um, you know, so there was a little doom and gloom in the air, but、uh, nothing like you know. It was kind of impossible to predict this year,、um, although some had. But you know, some of the some of the Content of our tour also kind of hinted at the, the themes of this year.、Uh, I don't know if you're able to catch this year's Tim and Eric tour, but there were certain themes at the end of the show that were about literally about this disease that was spreading throughout the theater, and there was this t- idea of quarantining people and and an antidote and all this stuff. And yeah, so there's all these, and then the record, yeah, the fear of death. All these things kind of took on new meaning、uh, this year. Which you know, I I just you just kind of roll with that. Yeah. Well, I I will say I missed the Tim and Eric tour because、uh, my family and I moved to、uh, Edmonton, Alberta,、uh, from Ontario、oh, wow. in January, and、uh, and then everything went to hell. I had all this. We like, didn't we didn't we didn't pass through Edmonton、uh, this time. <laughs> no. Have you have you ever? Would you ever consider? I well. I don't know if you know this. My wife and her family are, is from Edmonton, so I've been there a f- few times. I've never done any、uh, performing there, but I know it, I know it quite I well. I vaguely I vaguely knew this because I met you and your wife in Calgary many years ago,、uh, and yeah, she mentioned、uh, the Alberta. Can- I didn't obviously. My wife is from the reason we moved is my wife is from Edmonton. So,、uh, Tim, our wives are from Edmonton. Is all we're getting you, what, here? What a small and- world. It is a small world, so I, I hope that if uh, things uh, recommence, you may, in fact,、uh, roll through town with some kind of show because、uh, there are allusions to Canada on your、uh, record, and I, those struck me、um, as well. So,、uh, yeah, in terms of the、uh, soothsaying, prescient <laughs> content that you've been、uh, up to,、uh, are people pointing this out to you? Like that? I mean, you've obviously figured this out yourself when you think about some of these songs. There is this sense of trying to get away from a way of living.、Uh, I think、uh, on this record,、uh, but it's not. It wasn't. It seems to me you were trying to get away from America. Is that fair to say? <laughs> well, it's not an active pursuit necessarily. I mean, it wasn't when I was making the record. It's just,、uh, you know, they're they're the kind of thoughts that pass through your head in the in、uh, in the middle of the night,、uh, or、uh, you know, occasionally. And and you know, I draw on those kind of thoughts. I think in my writing because they're a little more. Dramatic or interesting,、hmm. um, you know, and I I don't know if it's a reflection entirely of how I always think or how what where where my goals are or anything like that. But there there's a certain character involved, you know, a certain like、um, inhabiting a character a little bit when you're when you're writing songs and、yeah. some of them I think you know overall you could say well there's a better picture of that guy, you know. But obviously, if I'm singing like I'm think I'm done growing, I, you know that's that's my that might be a feeling I'm having at that moment, or I find it's kind of a clever or interesting way thing to sing about. But you know, I don't know if I would go up on a、uh, uh, in front of a judge and put my hand on a Bible and swear <laughs> that that's how I owe. <laughs> I don't know if that's always you know a full reflection of how I think about everything. You you invoked the notion of、uh, singing as a character, and as I was driving around Edmonton yesterday, I was thinking about some of our past conversations. I think we've talked about the fact that、um, uh, I find it interesting that you've created all these different iterations of Tim Heidecker in your、mm-hmm. in your comedy life. And I, as I was listening to this record, I, I thought to myself, I wonder if Tim thinks of this version of Tim Heidecker, the songwriter, the singer. As maybe the closest to the real Tim Heidecker, there's something about songwriting that, in particular, on this record, it feels very、um, confessional. It feels very、uh, factually based, if you will. Whereas the other iterations that I allude to, those are always sort of send ups. I think of of culture use Tim Heidecker as an avatar to satirize things. So I, my question is: Do you feel like when we listen to you sing and we,、yeah. we hear your lyrics, are we getting Closer to the real Tim Heidecker than we might be、uh, in in some of your other expression. 
Yes, I would say so. I think in the past few records, those are closer. Yeah, I think um, like I like I said, like there's. I think this record has more straight autobiographical moments in it, and in Glendale as well. I think the the last record, what the Broken Hearted do, actually did have some autobiographical stuff, but it was a little couched in a style of a song that's more literal kind of heartbreak and breakup but there was also you know me reflecting on you know friends whose relationships have changed or my uh you know parents had gotten separated and um you know so there were real things happening in my life on the new record there's things about you know feeling a little you know uh feeling uncomfortable going to the movie premiere of, of the movie us in the in the song nothing like yeah. So I, I draw on certainly drawn things from my real life, and I, as I get older, I think I kind of tapped into this on in Glendale. That as I get older and have more life experience, and and have more momentous moments happening, where you know, like children and uh, and a, you know, family responsibilities and things, those become draw more. I can draw more inspiration from from that. Um, hmm. So yeah, I just kind of stopped. Uh, in the music, I don't necessarily think of myself as a character in that. Those are, these are just sort of, you know, I like making, first of all, I love, I love making uh, music. I love writing songs and, uh, and there's a musical component to that and finding a, you know, a, a catchy poppy kind of tune. And, you, you know, I, I think if I'm going to sing something, I, I'd, I'd like it to be, you know, have some kind of carry some kind of weight or some kind of, point of view so um yeah and, and and this didn't feel like a place to be necessarily satirical or or a parody of something you you have been meta with your musical i like a little bit you like there was a premise to the last record right like a kind of concept yeah i think the, you know i think it was a little confusing because it's not it was presented as you know not an autobiographical breakup record and that might have just been a little that it wasn't that didn't mean it was a parody of a of a breakup record it was just that this is maybe a more of a character that is going through a breakup but it's not like i've never gone through a breakup i mean I, these are all feelings i've had before or so it's not a parody of anything but right. i i like records in my personal life i like records that feel thematic that have a that that sound like there was consideration uh, it's not just like a random collection of songs, but they're you know sometimes they're more literate or, or liter literally you know a conceptual album, or they're at least sort of you know a song cycle about about a certain subject matter, and everything feels kind of connected. So yeah, I, whenever I'm going into making a record, I'm always keeping that in mind. Like, what is this about? What am I trying to say? Uh, how can we musically make it feel connected, and that kind of stuff? So, um, yeah, I'm just an old-fashioned record guy like that. I think like albums are cool when they all work together. And well, yeah, I mean, I I, t I I know you take your music very seriously, and I I take it. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't think it's particularly meta uh, or or satirical. But I think you and I are. We've we've discussed this before as well. I think you and I are both pretty big um, Bob Dylan fans, and um, mm -hmm. he's a bit of a trickster. So I think sometimes when you, uh, for me anyway, having sort of delved so deeply into his work, I kind of always assume he's putting me on in some way. Uh, <laughs> like, oh, well, uh -huh. that's that photo is kind of a little joke or something. And you you have this interesting position, I think, like Steve Martin had as well. But maybe your your situation is different. People might assume you're putting them on that that the things you're doing are send ups. Like when I think there's like some Grateful Dead illusions on here, um, and some other sort of sonic throw callbacks. Subtle. I mean, this is very original music to me, but mm -hmm. I, I'm sure there are people who are like, "Is Tim putting us on? Is this another bit? Like, do you experience that?" Uh, I guess a little bit. There's it. It's not as much, maybe any more than as it was. Uh, after you know i've done a few of these records now and i think that there's a f common understanding standing that there is not like a the, this isn't some kind of prank yeah, yeah yeah um so a few of people and you know i think i certainly 
pay attention to and I'm aware of like YouTube comments and that kind of thing. But and I, I just feel like you know that's that's a that's not the best um, polling of people's perception because <laughs> if somebody's making that comment, you know, they're we have to acknowledge at first that they're making a comment on a YouTube video that already l- lowers their. My perception of them is a, you know what I mean? <laughs> a legitimate source so, of yeah, criticism. It's sort of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but there are people, of course, that say like, what, well, what's, where's the joke here? You know, and, but, you know, I think most, I think reasonable people can, can kind of grapple or can kind of uh, conceive the idea that maybe I don't, I'm not always, you know, churning out gags and goofs yeah yeah again it does not like uh the last two records in particular like it does not feel that way at all and and yet there are really funny little lines uh on yeah on these records like there's still humor here like the sure there's the joke about uh i I i'm i'm just gonna paraphrase here you can you know the lyric but it's something about i think i said hello to the same guy twice uh yeah that's just funny that's just like very very funny and uh yeah and so i i like that you're uh applying your humor is here your cleverness is all here and that must be nice for you to like have these different outlets you know you mentioned all the things you some of the things you've been up to in the pandemic like I i imagine you feel fortunate to have these platforms uh, music included to sort of just express yourself. Absolutely, I I'm glad that you know I take the lyrics pretty seriously. I don't like overly. I don't spend a terrible amount of like rewriting and re-editing and stuff. But I do like when the lyrics can do a little bit of everything. They can be kind of sad or they could be, uh, you know, funny and and those are all things I I in in my own. F- you know, I, I love people that can do that, and there's all kinds of people that do that really well. But um, you know, Paul Simon's very good at it. And obviously, Randy Newman and Warren, Warren Zevon, yeah. Joni Mitchell. Um, you know, like lyrics are there. Like they're half the they're half the the equation. You know, so I th- always try to make them count. Yeah. No, and and, and that comes across. By the way, earlier I. I sort of ascribed you with Bob Bob Dylan fandom. Uh, it's been a few years since we spoke. Are you still Are you still a fan? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. You keep up with him. I was just listening to his new uh, Theme Time Radio Hour, and uh, your your friend there, John C. Riley's. Oh man. And- yeah. I I haven't heard it yet, but John sent me the that part of it, and he was. We talk about Bob all the time, and he was just like, he couldn't have been more proud to have done that and was we were both just like giddy that he got that little experience so um yeah we talk about him. we t- he's still the the num he's still the god for me i i i thought of you when i heard john to be honest because i to be honest uh, for those who haven't heard it yet like it's a little bit of a it's a it's a, like a bit it's a skit sort of thing yeah and it's a phone call and to be honest because i because dylan can be so odd i'm like did they stage this did he actually talk to Bob? I actually thought that. I don't. John actually. I doubt. Interact- I doubt it was like a live thing. That would be my guess. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it kind of comes across with that little bit of stilted uh, acting. Anyway, it's great and uh, uh, it's all wonderful. I- I'm glad that you're still a, a Bob fan because I I think uh, when you hear the whole show, you'll enjoy it uh, as well. Um, let's talk about the making of this record. It's a really collaborative affair. It seemed to happen, uh, kind of happenstance, right? Fear of death. You, I, I, the, the, the words I received about the record were that yeah. you kind of talked about it on a Thursday and were recording by a Monday. Is that correct? Yeah, it was a you know uh, fortuitous moment in everybody's uh, life where we were very available and down. There was some downtime, and I met this kid, Drew Erickson, who was a really accomplished uh, arranger and piano player, and. He was a fan. He had heard Natalie and I on my podcast, and we met after a Wise Blood show. And he came up to me and was like, "You know, if you're ever interested in recording, I could put a band together, and maybe you and Natalie could do a couple songs." And I said, "Sure, dude." And gave we exchanged numbers. And over the weekend, you know, he w- or the next day, really, he was like, "Okay, well, send me some songs because I've got uh, a band and the studio there. We can do Monday and Tuesday." and um, yeah, I, I kind of went through my folder and, and I knew I wanted to do, to do fear of death and, uh, song come away with me. And, um, 
song Say Yes to Me and then uh, another song called Someone Who Can Handle You, which I felt was like, ooh, this could be a really nice ballad, like a duet ballad that uh, felt almost like something from like that song Shallow. I was like, I wonder if yeah. I could write a song like that, you know, like a big <laughs> – like, could I, could I write a hit? Um, which I think is, I've heard other songwriters kind of always talk about that. They're like, I'm going to try to write a hit. And, you know, just to, not like, um, and it never will, it, it won't be a hit, but it, you know, just sort of that idea of like a big song, like a big now, why, why can't uh, it be song. a hit? I, oh, I don't know. It could. The, Who knows? All of these songs could be hits. I, I, I'm, I'm being sincere. Like, it's a really thoughtfully uh, arranged record. Like well, have you production? heard hit? Have you heard popular music? I mean, there's just not. It, it doesn't. You know, it's. I don't know. Yes, I don't even sure, know what fine. to, to describe fair. it. But yeah. maybe you know, in 1975, it could be a hit. But. Who knows? Maybe I, you know, I think uh, anyway. So I brought those songs. I sent them all demos, and I ca- I remember driving to that session on Monday, feeling like, is there anyone even going to be there? Like I didn't have a feeling of like that this was all figured out. I think it was partly because Drew and Natalie, they're such pros, and everybody else, they're just like this is what they do. This is their life. Like they. Yeah. Just kind of go in the studio when they when there's when there's these things happening and and that's it's kind of like not not that abnormal. So I get there and everyone's there and everyone had they come in and you know this drummer Stella from this band Warpaint, all these like really accomplished players are fans of mine too. So there's sort of this equal admiration going around and everyone's like cool songs, man. Like these are great. I can't wait and. I, you know, we went, Drew had written up some, some, uh, lead sheets, some chords and, and we just started bashing them out and they, they started sounding really good pretty much right away. <laughs> and that was that. So for you, as uh, you say, they're fans of yours, uh, probably particularly of your comedy. Mm-hmm. Do you have moments of imposter syndrome? Does anyone have this, like, do we belong together? What's going on? How quickly do you diffuse that? Is this going to work tension? Uh, do you just start playing to show them you know what you're doing? How how does that work? Yeah, I I don't recall anything like that. Um, I just kind of um, felt very very comfortable. I didn't feel out of place. I I was you know I'm not a great musician. I'm not a great guitar player or piano player. I can play enough to write and to show people things, but so it was very much like. You know, here's the here are the bones of the song, and now Drew can help kind of structure it more musically, and um, and then I can just sing and kind of give my feedback and show them ideas and stuff. So there is kind of there isn't really any kind of competition or anything like that. It's very much like they're there to oh, I, to yeah, help. Yeah, I, I don't view it as competition. I just think that sometimes. I'm sure there was like, is this a lark? What's going on? What is this going to be right. like? You know, those kinds of thoughts. And I think it, I think with, like, I remember Natalie, like after a few days, we did the first couple days and then there was some time off. And then we, cause we had these four songs and then like the next session that we met a few months later, it was kind of like, this is a kind this is a serious record. Like it was, mm. I don't know how many people were really paying close attention to the lyrics or like the, how it would all play off each other. And, there was a little bit of a, I think, you know, kind of sat in a little later that like this is this is kind of heavy in a good way, like yeah, you know, yeah. this is cool. You mentioned having about uh, I think four, maybe four songs as demos. How did the rest come about, and did uh, did anyone else contribute to uh, lyric writing or even input on that stuff? I think uh, after the four songs, I was so energized and so excited about that that session that I started writing a lot more with the the, the intention of getting back together for another couple of sessions. So I had, um, yeah, I think right, right after the first, like, I think we did Monday and Tuesday and then like probably Wednesday or Thursday, I wrote, uh, nothing and, um, you know, sent it off to Drew and Natalie with my, you know, it's, that's always a little, scary <laughs> you're sending them like a demo and it wasn't really that finished and it wasn't there, there was something different about it it was kind of more of a poppy it was like a little faster and it was kind of le- wasn't as pretty 
uh, as it ended up being, it was just a little bit of a sketch. Um, but you know, you text them that and then kind of wait and you get sort of just like a awesome, you know, let's, and so, or, you know, like love it. That's, you know, so you're sort of like, yeah, okay. And then we met on Friday of that week to, um, to do some kind of pre-mixing, like just, and doing a little overdubbing, just the three of us. And after we got that done, I was like, do you want to try to record nothing now? And it was a little bit of like, well, we have a couple hours. It's getting a little late. Do you want to like, you know what? Sure. Let's, can we do it? And it was that, there was that sort of like stepping over to the other, the other side of uh, like, you, we could have easily been like, ah, fuck it. Let's just do something out. Let's, let's call it a night. But we committed to it and figured it out. And Natalie added a couple chords and, um, you know, we just sang it. We kind of did it live in a way, piano and vocals. And so then after that, there was a longer period and I went on some trips with my family over the summer and wrote backwards and a couple other of the songs on the record property. And, and then uh, we met again in, in that same studio that we met before. And, and then the only other song that was different from that process was the last song, uh, Oh, How We Drift Away, which we said, oh, if we're going to do an album, it would be kind of interesting and fun to co-write something together. Um, and I, I could, we, let's try one of the classic songwriting uh, dynamics, which is me writing you lyrics and you singing them to a yeah, tune that you wrote. Yeah. So I just sent um, essentially kind of a poem that I probably had some music in my head for, but we didn't send that along. And then, you know, that's how that last one came about. No, it's lovely. It's an, it's very fascinating closer as well. I'm, you know, as you're talking about this process stuff, I, I'm I'm thinking about your work as a in comedy, in that uh, so so much of it, uh, particularly of late, is trusting the moment, mm-hmm. um, improvising. Do your instincts change as a musician uh, to sort of? I think you mentioned like having a couple hours, uh, maybe to work on on nothing, and I, I can't recall if you said that that was it was done in that time, but yeah. I I think you have an experience of trusting the moment and moving on. Uh, maybe that some others don't, you know, some people overthink things or particularly in a studio environment. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about those two impulses, like a comedy improvisation, trusting the moment and musically uh, the same? I guess it's a combination of the practicalities of the situation uh, and kind of having done it long enough now where I can feel fairly confident that, you know, it's either it is what it is and it's... Uh, and there'll, you know, there's never a desire to make anything the best thing ever, and, and obsessing over, uh, you know, testing it or focus grouping it, and you know, co- like over analyzing what it is. It's it is what it is. So yeah, like, and then it become like the first point. There is never time and money to over over uh, analyze or obsess over yeah anything, and I don't enjoy doing that. I. I kind of like I like the ideas, um, and that's why I'm doing it. So to kind of question them and uh, put them under investigation feels feels like a um, you know self defeating almost. Yeah, but you will rewrite lyrics, or you mentioned I think nothing was a bit faster. Like things will change. Yes, in- certainly. There's a there's always there's always a development period or a uh, yeah you know the process the writing period continues pretty much until it's done. But um, I don't overthink. I guess I guess I don't like I wouldn't take home a song finished and then rewrite the lyrics and go in and record it again because yeah. I had a different idea. Yeah, and I think again that must be born of your instincts as a live performer as well like move on like uh, we yeah. did it it's it, it is what it is kind of thing let's let's keep going uh i'm sure that's in there definitely yes definitely oh, yeah yeah <laughs> uh so uh I, I guess normally if things were normal and you could you might take a record like this out on the road um what do you do now tim <laughs> what do you do with I, I i will say for those who are interested i ordered my vinyl copy of it uh uh, yesterday Please. and and I assume uh, you'd like other people to do that too. Particularly, it's a nice uh, Beatles cover on here. By the way, I didn't even get to that part. Uh, there's an interesting arrangement of 
of let it be that I want to ask you about in a moment. But yeah, let's let's focus on my first question. What do you do? Yeah. What are you doing right now, Tim, to uh, get the the word out about this record? Well, you know all the usual things. I'm doing these kind of interviews, and um, uh, that's about it. And telling people on my my show and uh, social media, yeah. and I am sort of relieved that I don't have the pressure of having to tour it. A because I just did a tour with Eric, and doing a music tour for me is very it can it can be difficult because you know. It's hard, you know, I love, there's certain people I love playing with and a lot of them are more focused now on be, being studio players and I've kind of also graduated from the road hmm. um, and don't, and, and you know, to, to go out, I feel like also, you know, there's going to be a backlog of people going out and once people can go out and I don't want to necessarily, I feel almost a little guilty taking up any, any of that real estate, hmm. but... Hmm. You know, and I, I I always think like, well, the best version of all these songs are on the record. You know, okay, <laughs> like, okay. So like, I've done a few of these like you know live acoustic stream things, and it's like you know, it we made we went into the studio and recorded them multiple times, and got and picked the best version of that song. So so that's so I always feel like it's a little weird when people play live, <laughs> on on these TV shows and stuff. I mean, it's fun to see everybody, but. Um, it, it is this weird like tradition that started, you know, with the Ed Sullivan show or something. You, so you think <laughs> the recorded version is the definitive mm. version? Like, you know, I alluded. Oh yeah, I alluded to. I remember. I that kind of struck me. I heard uh, John Lennon talk about this. He was talking about like um, seeing live music, and he was like, you know what? I I grew up with the records. The records were what I knew, mm. and that's what I'm closest with, uh, you know, when it comes to like Elvis or, El, you know, Buddy Holly or whoever they were listening yeah, to. Yeah, Little it's Richard, like, sure, yeah, yeah. Little Richard, it's like, it's not as, it's it's never as good alive than it is. Some people, maybe, that's, the, like, the, some people, they're live performers and that's really where they shine most or something. But, you know, it takes, it takes me a lot of, uh, it takes a lot of work for me to get something really good that's, that's you know i feel enough to you know i feel strong enough to play to the world so that doesn't necessarily happen in real time well going back to trusting the sense. moment and you know i was alluding to bob dylan earlier who kind of famously plays songs that people are like i don't know what song this is and and it's right. like a rolling yeah. stone or something and they just don't get it and to me i that discovering that going to see him when i started to see him and other bands who did things like that I was like, that's kind of cool. Like the song, the recording yeah. is the day. The song lives its own life after that. Yeah, I dig that. And I would think like I've done that when I've played live. We we play things, we arrange things a little differently. Not dramatically like he does. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I do I do think that it is more interesting to play live and to to not try to replicate the album necessarily. Okay. All right. Well, I did ask. Uh, we we have to go shortly. I just wanted to ask you a yeah. couple of things here uh, quickly. One, let it be. I alluded to it. You mentioned John Lennon. Uh, it's a it's a mm -hmm. Paul song, but still, let's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what 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 is the what's the deal with this arrangement? Why, why is this on the record per se? By the way, I don't say this disparagingly. I enjoy it. Yeah. Tremendous Beatles fan yeah. over here. Just curious about that. Yeah. Well, we, Natalie and I, after we were, we did this um, benefit show, um, or I did a benefit show and she came and sang a couple of our new songs last year and uh, we were backstage and we were warming up and stuff and we had some, like a couple hours to kill as you do when you go and sound check for a benefit that's going to be four hours long and stuff. So we were back there and, and we just got in this sort of a music, a music game where we were uh, playing Beatles songs with totally different tunes, totally different arrangements. <laughs> Melodies, yeah. And it's, yeah. yeah, and it's really hard, actually, because <laughs> you just kind of associate those two things together, you know. And, uh, and, but we, we did Let It Be, and then that one kind of stuck when we were doing it, you know. And we're like, oh, this, is kind of, this is kind of a fun way of doing Let It Be, a song that I, you know, frankly, as a huge Beatles fan, I don't need to hear that song <laughs> sure. as much as maybe other ones, you know. It's yeah. a little over, overdone. But it is kind of beautiful, and the way we did it, we felt it was kind of a fun new take on it, and we did it on Instagram that like live backstage and put it out, and people seemed to really like it. So yeah, we were in the studio, and again, it was that thing where like, oh, we have a couple hours. Do you want to try to do one more? It was that kind of back and forth, and 
that was one that seemed kind of easy to do and uh, easy for the band to pick up and they did quickly and we just laid it down and it felt like on the in the sequencing of the record i like that there's this um little you know dip and kind of uh, kind of mellows out into sort of this little mini country suite there with little lamb and yeah it felt it just felt good you know it's lovely i just wanted to ask you about it so i appreciate you fielding that um tim if you want uh, people to learn more about fear of death and anything else you're up to where would you send them on their uh, computers and phones well uh you know, timheidecker.com has links to the record. Timheidecker.com links you. If there's a music tab there, I believe it goes to timheideckermusic.com. Okay. But, uh, the, you know, that's, it's, it's, uh, it's on all the streaming sites. Um, whenever this comes out, it comes out on Friday, the 24th of September. So, yeah. um, and you know, uh, office hours is a, a podcast that you can subscribe to. And uh, that's 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 all I can tell. <laughs> okay, uh, Tim, if we were to go out on a song from Fear of Death, uh, can you choose one and maybe tell us uh, why why you chose it? Well, I'll say backwards. It's uh, it's like I said, one of the more autobiographical songs, and there's a nice Canadian reference in there. It's, um, uh, it's last summer we were staying in Vermont for a week, and then we flew from Vermont, well, flew from Boston to. Um, a cam to Kamloops in the Canadian Rockies, oh, yeah. and went up uh, north um, into Sheridan Lake, where my father-in-law has a cabin. And I just uh, I used a lot of that in the song. And one of the things I was kind of writing the song about how the future looks kind of grim right now, and l- thinking about looking at my kids and what world they're growing up into, and how that was different from when we were kids and how the future seemed exciting and now the future seems kind of scary. And one of the things I noticed up there was the bald, that uh, on the lake, these bald eagles had moved up mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, geez, this is like the greatest analogy for the world right now <laughs> or for my country right now because the bald eagle is the most sort of, it's our bird. It's like the American symbol, you yeah. know, and even they have now uh, split for for the north, you know. They've they've moved to Canada. So given all given all your Canadian ties, Tim, how would you would you consider moving? I don't know if I can handle the cold. You know, I'm just oh. I've grown grown too accustomed to. But it's getting too hot down here, and now California, <laughs> where I live, for some reason now has mosquitoes, which we've never had since I remember living here. Um, we oh, have well, mosquitoes. Yeah, fires, and probably. we have fi- yeah. we have fires, and we just had an earthquake the other night, which woke me up. So. You know, it's tough. It's it's we're living uh, as as uh, Stephen Tyler might say, we're living on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're always welcome, if I might say, on behalf of the entire country and uh, for all my fellow Canadians. Look out for a, a nod to our national anthem in this lovely song called "Backwards" uh, by Tim Heidecker from the new album "Fear of Death." Tim, it's always uh, wonderful to talk to you, and I always appreciate uh, your time. Uh, best of luck with everything in the future. Thank you, Vish. Take take care. Children are swimming in the water mm-hmm. Playing and laughing, being golden No way of knowing We're moving backwards, we're moving backwards We're moving backwards, we're moving back We're moving backwards, we're moving backwards We're moving backwards, we're moving backwards
future knew we were moving backwards, we're moving backwards, we're moving backwards, we're moving back, we're moving backwards, we're moving backwards, we're moving backwards, we're moving back. Don't it make you cry? Don't it make you wanna shout? you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. That's very nice to have Tim Heidecker back on Creative Control, this time for the 566th episode of this podcast, which is part of the Entertainment One Network and is available on all Apple and Google platforms and Spotify and what have you. If you can't find an episode that you're looking for, you've heard about it, you just can't track it down. Or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my semi-regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can uh, like Creative Control on Facebook if you still use Facebook. Why are you using Facebook? Why do we use Facebook? Why do I still have a page? It's my fault. I shouldn't have started this sentence. But still, you can like Creative Control on Facebook or follow the show on Twitter at Vish Creative or follow me directly at Vish Kana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. $6 or more gets you exclusive content access to exclusive audio content from my archives. Maybe if I haven't published them already, I might uh, share some cool stuff I've done with Tim and Greg and other people like that over the years. But, uh, you know, it's all it's there's a bunch of stuff there already. And if, if you don't care about that extra stuff and just want to support the show with a, a $2 a month donation, $5, $6, you know what the numbers are. Just go to patreon.com slash creative control and make your flexible monthly donation today. Thanks again to live at MasseyHall.com, where you can watch beautifully captured concerts by great Canadian artists. Also, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton 
They provide in-kind support for this show, and I like them, so I'm, I'm mentioning them to you now. Uh, as always, my dear friend Jim Guthrie uh, lets me use some music uh, for this show. Uh, Jim has collaborated uh, in the past with uh, Nick Thorburn, Nick Diamonds of Islands, who I believe is uh, uh, friendly with the uh, with Tim Heidecker. I mean, I know they are. So uh, there's a little connection there. Uh, you can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. His music's fantastic. And finally, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode with Tim and for maybe uh, checking out the, the back catalog of episodes uh, for Creative Control. And uh, if you like what you heard today, feel free to subscribe to the show, follow the show, tell your friends about the show. And uh, that would be awesome. Or you just... Just, you know, hit stop now. We never have to talk again. You don't have to deal with me ever again. It's, it's whatever you want to do is fine by me. But, you know, I'm going to still be here. So feel free to stop by. I must leave you, but I will talk to you very soon. Bye for now. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.